I am very thankful for Psalm 51. It's one of my favorite psalms because it guides me through the proper steps of repentance and ministers to me each time. One of the things that this psalm teaches us is that there is a progression and order to proper repentance. First, there has to be proper recognition of sin. As verse 3 states, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. We need to properly recognize and grieve over our sins that we have transgressed the God-given boundaries in our lives and chosen to go our own way. But it can't stop there, but as verse 4 states, we need to see that our sin is against God. I think sometimes people can think just feeling really bad is repentance. Of course that's part of it, but if it's not directed against the person they've wronged, but more about how disappointed they are in themselves, then that wouldn't be repentance. Yumi and I have ministered to people who get stuck in their emotions of self-pity and self-loathing. You know, they confess they're wrong, but even though after that point of grieving, we want to assure them of God's forgiveness and cleansing that's available, they can't humbly accept that and instead remain indulgent of their dark emotions. God's here saying, I forgive you, but because their grieving is not towards God, it's not received as good news to them. I myself get stuck there many times too, and I realize that it's because of my pride. I'm often more disappointed that I failed and am this ugly sinner more than I am that I have grieved my Heavenly Father. To get out of that dark place, I need to look to, towards God and see that it's against God that I have sinned. And when I realize that the very one that I have grieved and wronged responds not with condemnation but forgiveness, then I can humbly ask for God's forgiveness and rejoice at his love towards a sinner like me. After recognizing that our sin is against God and properly grieving, we need to ask for that forgiveness and accept that grace. And that leads to joy and gladness as in verse 8 and that joy of salvation being restored in verse 12. Even though the gospel and this offer of forgiveness from God is such great news, this step often evades us. Why? Often, rather than simply being broken and humbly asking for God's forgiveness, we jump to trying to earn our repentance, forgiveness. We try to offer sacrifice to make up for our sin, do better, and change by our self-effort. And we get that order mixed up and jump to service and trying to make up for sins rather than simply being broken and crying out for God's forgiveness. But when we do that, we end up experiencing our bones wasting away and that sense of joy and right spirit before God eludes us. And God says he does not delight in sacrifice in verse 16. So in verse 15, it says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And what does that look like? What I find ironic is that people are all too willing to sacrifice so many other things to God that are actually quite costly. We'll sacrifice our money, our time, our best efforts and energy. Yet, we will not sacrifice our broken heart when we sin. Reading this psalm, I was reminded that it is not how much I can sacrifice, but what I sacrifice, and it depends on what God is interested in. When I sin against Him, what is He interested in? My broken and contrite heart because He's interested in our relationship. So it's like a husband really wronging his wife, and what she's interested in is a heartfelt apology. But you know, here I am washing all the dishes, giving Yumi roses twice a week, daily making her breakfast in bed. And, you know, similarly, we can get like that towards God. You know, there's no end to what we can give and sacrifice to God because everything belongs to Him. But today's psalm forces us to think seriously about the one important sacrifice that matters most to God. Am I offering a broken heart when I sin against God? 
because if not, the other sacrifices are just religion. But if we do offer our broken and contrite heart to God when we sin against Him, we have the assurance at the end of verse 17, O God, you will not despise. And God says in Isaiah 57, 15, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with Him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. In other words, we don't have to despair because God promises to revive us. And I hope that that encourages all of us to um, just repent and hold on to God.